Part 6. It is 10.13 Friday morning, and I sit at my kitchen table with my black coffee, buttered roll, and hostility log. The group last night was very different than I expected. It wasn't dreadful, and I actually liked the other group members. I wonder what became of Helga's grant application, and briefly consider calling her to find out. But I decide not to call. I am still suspended, and I don't know Helga well enough to call her from home. At the next meeting, I will probably have to speak. I don't like speaking in public, and so far I have just one entry in my hostility log. I try to think of another entry that is interesting enough to share with the group. What made me angry? Still suspended from work. Why I was angry? Didn't kill anyone! My response... Do what I'm told so I can go back to work. Was this controlled? Controlled, yes, but not all that gratifying. I scribble over my entry until it is completely blacked out. I will think of something less private to share. Hopefully something else will irritate me between now and Tuesday. In the meantime, it is almost Thanksgiving and time to start testing my Christmas lights. Every year I set up my lights on a Friday after Thanksgiving. Some people do it sooner, but this offends me to the core. Thanksgiving should be corn husks, squash, turkey, and a Macy's parade. Santa Claus arrives at the end of the parade and marks the beginning of Christmas season. It's a perfectly logical sequence, and I don't know what kind of idiot needs to jump the gun and put up Christmas decorations the day after Halloween. Maybe I will talk about that on Tuesday. But back to my lights. I have 72 strings of outdoor LEDs. 12 strings each of 6 different colors. Last year I covered my entire roof and the trees in my front lawn with electric color block layers. I placed my light up snowman in between the trees and made a fence of 3 foot high candy cane sculptures. The display was almost perfect. But this year I want to try programming the lights to blink in a time pattern. The animated lights are called dancing LEDs, and I had found some nice examples on YouTube before the police stole my computer. I go upstairs to the attic and bring down the Tupperware bins. I open the first bin and amazingly it appears that the detectives did not tangle the lights with their search. I move the couch against the wall in the living room so I have more space to work. I take out the red strings first and straighten them to form a neat rectangle on the floor. I plug each string into the surge protector and see right away that three bulbs are dead. I unscrew the three bulbs and put them on the end table. Then I fold up the red strings and place them carefully back into the Tupperware bin. I test each color using the same method. In the end, I need to buy 12 replacement lights. Three red, four white, two green, and one each of pink, yellow, and blue. I will go to Home Depot after lunch. In the meantime, I place the burned-out bulbs in a Ziploc bag and bring the Tupperware bins back up to the attic. The closest Home Depot is in Long Island City, which is 43 minutes away by train and 49 minutes by foot. To get there by train, I would have to take the N to the 7 to the R, which is sometimes more trouble than it's worth. It is mild today and warm for November, so I decide to walk. 
The sun is low in the sky and casts a golden light on the remaining fall leaves. I have my hostility log with me just in case, but nothing offends me on the walk. I arrive at Home Depot at 3.08. I love the smell of Home Depot. It's a perfect cross between fresh cut wood and Christmas. I walk over to the electrical section, and I am pleased to see that there is an entire aisle specifically dedicated to LEDs. I find a replacement bulbs, and I get some extra strings so I can build a test board to practice the animation. I locate the pieces that I need to program the lights, and on impulse, I decide to buy a DIY manual called Let There Be Lights. I have a weakness for DIY manuals, and this one may be helpful for my display. At the very least, I will have something to read between now and Tuesday. I proceed to self-checkout and make it to the parking lot without having to talk to anyone. It's still nice out, but I decide to take the train home so I can start reading my new manual. I reach the train station and I'm halfway up the stairs when I hear a voice behind me. Excuse me, can you give me a hand with this? I turn around and see a young woman struggling with a stroller. I reflexively roll my eyes and sigh, then I walk back down the stairs to help her. Thank you, it's just hard to manage with all these stairs. Never mind, it's fine, I'll get it. I reach down to pick up the stroller, but when I look inside the stroller, I don't see a baby. Instead, I see a pug with a flat, pushed-in face and a pink baby bonnet. I put the stroller down. So what's your dog's name? Bella Rose, she's six months old, but please be careful, she's afraid of heights. There are so many things I could say, all of them biting and witty, but instead I say, can you excuse me please? I walk back up the stairs, leaving Bella Rose and her owner at the bottom. I feel a grin spread over my face, and I start to craft the next entry for my hostility log. It is 6.43 on Tuesday and I am 13 minutes into my second anger management group session. A man named Richard complains about a coworker who laughs too loudly and leaves her unwashed dishes in a communal kitchen sink. Richard is troll-like and turns red as he speaks. I've decided to volunteer next after Richard is done. It is 6.47 and my heart beats faster. Richard is still talking, but I stop listening and start running through my head what I plan to say. At 6.51, Miss Phelps turns to the group and asks for the next presenter. I slowly raise my hand. Good. Harold? I unfold my hostility log and smooth it out on my lap. My mouth is dry and I cough once to clear my throat. What made me angry was a pug in a stroller. Can you speak up please, Harold? A pug in a stroller. I clear my throat again. I was taking the train back from Home Depot, and a woman asked me to help her carry a stroller up the stairs. I was already up the stairs, and I walked back down to the bottom of the stairs to help her. But after all that, I saw that it wasn't even a baby in a stroller. It was a pug named Bella Rose. A few people laugh, and I am encouraged. The pug was wearing a pink onesie and a baby bonnet. And it had one of those knit blankets that probably came from Etsy. And a woman told me, be careful, because the pug was afraid of heights. Now everyone laughs, and I start to relax. And why did that make you angry? Because she bothered me for something stupid. 
A waste of my time. Plus, the pug was ugly. And how did you respond to the woman? I didn't help her. I put the stroller down and walked up the stairs myself. Everyone laughs for Helga. And what happened after you did that? Nothing. I just kept walking. Miss Phelps turns to the group. What do people think of Harold's response? Robert speaks without raising his hand. Sounds perfect to me. The stupid cow can carry it herself. The dog shouldn't be on the train anyway. But Helga's face contorts in protest. I think it was rude what you did, Harold. What if she really couldn't carry the stroller? Then she shouldn't bring it on a train. That's obnoxious, Harold. Really insensitive. Robert responds. What's obnoxious is all these wackadoos with their emotional support animals. One of our employees tried to bring a ferret to work last week. Filed for reasonable accommodation. And guess who had to evaluate that request? Helga pivots to Robert. And you're the HR professional. Nice. Animals are like family to some people, Robert. There's nothing wrong with that. I remember now what Gene, the CFO, said about Helga and her cats. This has gotten uncomfortable, and I don't know how to get out of it. I'm glad when Miss Phelps intervenes. Harold, would you have responded differently if the dog was in a pet carrier instead of a stroller? I look at Helga and my heart beats faster. Well, yes, I think I was just surprised because I expected to see a baby. Anyway, I didn't pick a fight with her. I just walked away without saying anything. Helga seemed to accept this answer and my heart slows down to its normal pace. Miss Phelps nods and continues. Thank you, Harold. That's an important point. Sometimes it's best to just walk away from a situation. Now, who would like to go next? Amy raises her hand and begins to describe her unintelligent brother-in-law named Tim. Helga has recovered and seems to enjoy Amy's story. It is 7-11 and I am relieved to be done with my first presentation. Just nine more sessions after this. I look at Helga and wonder if we will still go to the diner after group. It is 7.48 and I sit with Helga at Three Guys Diner on 96 in Madison. We invited Amy also, but Amy was tired and decided to go home. I order a tuna melt and black coffee. Helga orders the gyro platter and a hot tea with lemon. So you're not much of a pet person, are you, Harold? I guess not. You never had animals growing up? I won a goldfish once at a church carnival, but that was it. That's cute. What did you name it? Fish. Helga laughs. <laughs> I'm a cat person myself. I have five of my own, and I leave food on my back step for the strays in the neighborhood. There's a new gray short hair that started coming in September. I thought of fostering him, but I think he's feral. I call him Feral Fred. I look around for our waitress, and she arrives with our drinks. I slurp my coffee, and Helga stirs two packets of sweet and low into her tea. So tell me, Harold, how did you get into this mess? I take another drink of my coffee. I'm a dangerous killer. Helga laughs. I heard. But why did they think that? Well... Let's just say I had issues with Serena. We all did. She fought with all of us. This pleases me. I know, but it was worse for me. I sat right outside her office, and she nagged me constantly for stupid little things. 
like making me change a description from Xerox paper to Xerox supplies. Completely unimportant. Oy. And I couldn't take it anymore. So one day I wrote Kill Serena in my notepad as part of my to-do list for the day. Just as a joke. And just for me. I didn't show anyone. But then I started writing it every day. I slurped my coffee loudly for effect. And? And then Serena found a list and turned me into HR. Huh, that's hilarious. What did Mr. Thompson do with that? He suspended me. Then while I was suspended, someone really killed her. Sorry, Harold, that's terrible. But she laughs as she says this, and I laugh too. Did the police arrest you? No, but they took me to the precinct for questioning, and they got a warrant to search my house. Helga's eyes gleam. You're kidding. What was the search like? Were you there? Did they make a mess? Yes, I was there. They didn't make a mess, but they took my computer and some other things. I'm still waiting to get everything back. I hired a lawyer, and she's helping me. That's good you got a lawyer. Helga takes her silverware out of the napkin, and the waitress brings her food. The gyro comes with fries. Helga looks around and takes the ketchup bottle from the empty table behind us. Then she continues. There are lots of rumors at work, of course. Help yourself to fries if you want. No, thanks. I never share food. What were the rumors? Well, we saw the police tape that morning, but we didn't know what happened. Then a few people saw you leave with the police. Then Jean called an all-staff meeting and told us that Serena was dead. Jean didn't mention you, but we put two and two together and assumed that you killed Serena. I snort and take a bite of my tuna melt. There was relish in the tuna. But no one really blamed you. The departments hated Serena. May she rest in peace. David Bukowski actually said we should send you a bottle of scotch. Helga's eyes narrow when she says, David Bukowski. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint everyone. Who's paying the checks now? They brought in a temp, an older woman named Sheila. She's nice enough, but they're interviewing for a new controller. That's good, I guess. This will be controller number seven for me at the foundation. The thought of a new boss is suddenly exhausting. Oh, I didn't tell you. Gene made David Bukowski tell the truth on his NIH grant. Helga grins and tells the story of the federal grant application. In the end, Gene backed Helga and would not submit the application until David removed the false information. Grant compliance one, research is zero. I finish my tuna melt as she speaks. So, anyway, enough about work. What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Harold? I'm going to my neighbor's. Then I'm going to work on my Christmas lights. The second part is true. I've spent Thanksgiving by myself since my mother died three years ago. But I don't want to explain this to Helga. That sounds nice. What kind of lights? Outdoor LEDs. I have 12 strings each of six different colors. I'm going to try animating them this year. Oh, cool. How do you do that? I take out a pen and draw a circuit diagram for Helga on the back of my napkin. The waitress stops by and refills our drinks. That's really cool, Harold. Where'd you learn to do that? YouTube videos. Helga laughs. Huh. I set up my miniature snow village last week. 
You know, the ceramic houses? I have over 40 pieces. Every year I turn my dining room into a tiny Christmas town. You put them up last week? Before Thanksgiving? Sure, why not? I start to turn red, but Helga doesn't notice. I covered my dining room table with quilt batting to make it look like snow. Then I arranged the houses in rows so it looks like streets. And I put a little round mirror in the middle for a skating rink. Here, I'll show you. Helga takes out her phone and shows me picture after picture of her O-scale town. I shift back and forth on my seat, wanting to tell her that she put her decorations up too early. But in the end, I just say, I like your collection. It is 9.53 and the waitress brings the check. Helga and I decide to split the bill evenly and to double the tax for the tip. Well, thanks, Harold. This was fun. Happy Thanksgiving, and I'll see you again Tuesday. She says goodnight, and I walk towards the 96th Street subway station. I think again about Helga Snow Village. It really is a nice collection. It is 9.23 on Thanksgiving morning. I sit on my couch with my black coffee and buttered roll and keep watch for the Snoopy balloon. So far, I have seen Buzz Lightyear, the Pillsbury Doughboy, SpongeBob, and a bald cartoon boy I don't recognize. These are all fine, but Snoopy is my favorite. A black nose edges onto the screen. It's a tan snout, so it's not Snoopy. I see now that it's Mickey, Sailor Mickey, riding a giant anchor. I don't think they've ever had a mini balloon. A high school band marches by, followed by Neil Diamond waving from a Mount Rushmore float. Neil Diamond sings Sweet Caroline, but I can't hear him because Al Roker is talking. I put the TV on mute. It is 9.51. When the parade is over, I will go to Boston Market to pick up my heat-and-serve Thanksgiving dinner. I placed an order for the boneless roasted turkey breast meal, which comes with one roasted turkey breast, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, and dinner rolls. I also added the cranberry walnut relish, cornbread, and two pumpkin pies. I will give one of the pies to Cynthia. I like Boston Market and there'll be plenty of leftovers for sandwiches. I turn the sound back on. Curious George is next, and then at last comes Snoopy. It's the Flying Ace version this year, complete with a red scarf and aviator goggles. I approve. I walk to the window and look outside. It is cloudy and gray, and the leaves blow in circles on the front lawn. I look across my lawn to Cynthia's house. Cynthia is going to her in-laws this year, but they haven't left yet. Her car is in the driveway. I walk back to the TV. The marching elves appear now, and I know we are nearing the end. Finally, Santa and his sleigh bring up the rear, and Al Roker declares it the official start of the holiday season. And so it is. I hope Helga is watching. The line at Boston Market was longer than I expected. An old woman in front was the culprit. She made us all wait while she argued with the cashier over an expired coupon. I rolled my eyes and sighed for effect, but the man in front of me was more direct. Come on, lady. Some of us have places to be. But now it is 1.27. I am back home, and the house smells like Thanksgiving. I decide to use the oven directions for the turkey and stuffing. Dinner will be ready at 2.02. 02. 
I clear off my kitchen table and unfold a brown paper tablecloth that I got on sale at CVS. Then I walk upstairs to the attic and find my cardboard turkey centerpiece. The turkey has an orange crepe paper fan for its tail. I open the fan and secure the ends with a piece of scotch tape. It is 1.37. Cynthia's car is still in the driveway. I decide to bring them their pie before they leave. I take one of the pumpkin pies from the kitchen and walk across my lawn to their front door. I ring the doorbell, leave the pie on the step, and turn away to walk back to my house. I am almost at my door when I hear Cynthia call after me. Thank you, Harold. Happy Thanksgiving. I wave back and walk inside. It is 1.46 and time to prepare the sides. I heat the mashed potatoes and gravy in the microwave for 8 minutes, stirring halfway through. I take the cranberry walnut relish out of the refrigerator and put it on the table with a plastic serving spoon. Then I open the oven and place the dinner rolls and cornbread on the lower rack for the last six minutes. Everything is ready at 2.02. I finish eating at 2.19. I decide to save the pie for later. Now, back to my lights. It is Friday morning, 6.42. And I have my traditional post-Thanksgiving breakfast of black coffee and cold pumpkin pie. The sky is periwinkle blue and ready for sunrise. It's a perfect day to put up my lights. I got the animation to work last night on my test board. It took a few tries, but by the end of the night, I was able to fully control the timing and movement of the individual bulbs. I made the outline of a Santa face for my test and I was able to make the mouth blink open and close so it looked like he was laughing. I can't wait to go live. I take another sip of my coffee and pour the rest into a thermos. It will be good to have this when I am up on the roof. I put on my hat, coat, and leatherwork gloves and get the Tupperware bins from the attic. Then I get the ladder from the basement, bring everything outside, and start to work. I finish the roof at 10.33. I climb down the ladder and walk across the street to see how the design looks from the ground. I'm happy with the overall outline, but there are two areas that are slightly misshaped. I sketch a diagram and circle the areas I want to improve, then I climb back up to the roof and make the adjustments. The lawn ornaments are next. I decide to put the snowman in between the two pine trees again. This worked well last year. Then I line both sides of my front walk with the light-up candy canes. It is 11.04. My fingers are stiff from the cold, so I decide to go inside and break for lunch. I make myself a cold leftover sandwich with two pieces of bread, a layer of stuffing, a layer of cranberry walnut relish, and a thick slice of turkey. There's enough food left for two more sandwiches. I will make a hot open-faced version tonight and use up some of the gravy. I take my plate to the sink and go back outside. All that's left now are the trees. I wrap the lights around one pine tree first, then the other, making distinct color block layers. Then I arrange the white lights in the oak tree branches to create a winter wonderland feel. It is 1.32 and my display is complete. I go inside, put away the Tupperware bins, and wait for sunset. It is finally dark and time for launch. I walk outside and plug my lights into the surge protector. Then I walk across the street and wait. The snowman lights up first and stands alone in the lawn. 
Then the candy canes join him one by one, leading the path from the sidewalk to the front door. The white lights in the oak tree snake in next, moving from left to right. Then the colored lights cascade down the pine trees in layers of green, pink, yellow, and blue. And then the piece de resistance. The lit outline of Santa, his sleigh, and three reindeer draws itself on my roof. The reindeer legs blink back and forth in two positions, so it looks like the reindeer are running. Santa's arm blinks up and down, so it looks like he's waving. And then it all starts again from the beginning. I stare at my lights for five full cycles. The shape and timing are perfect. Next year I will buy more candy canes, and I might add another snowman. I stand silently as a couple walks by and stops to watch the display. They ooh and ah appreciatively, and the woman takes a picture with her phone. I remain motionless until the couple walks away. Then I walk back across my lawn, go inside, and look for my digital camera. I want to record this for Helga.